All right. On the podcast today, we have Peter Nickel. Peter's been with Ronan for a few years, and he was our team leader for Grimp North America, both in 2019 and 2022. And today we're just going to chat about some of the training challenges, some of the logistical challenges, some of the, you know, challenges at the events and how we've overcome or how he's overcome some of those things. How are you doing, Peter? Good, Mark. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, Peter Nickel. I've been with uh, Ronan since uh, Ronan started. Uh, it's been about 12 years, all told. I'm an instructor of uh, many of the courses that we offer. I'm a team leader for standby rescue work that we do. Uh, Mark mentioned I've been uh, to Grimp. I'm a two-time Grimp competitor, and both times I was the team leader. I'm also a career firefighter for over uh, 12 years with the Township of Langley Fire Department. I've been involved in the fire service since about 1996. And uh, I have an industrial rescue background about five years uh, where I was a protection officer at a pulp and paper mill. And that's how I met Ronan and and, uh, ended up finding a career with Ronan as well. I totally forgot about that. I remember those original days when we were doing, uh, when we were doing some, some plugging of the, the, the dike, I guess would be the best word to describe it, over on the island there. That's right. You were from back there, weren't you? Yeah, I'm born and raised on the island. Um, and yeah, the staffing issues that we were going through were one of the reasons why I was leaving the mill. I'd actually been hired uh, by the township and was just waiting for my start date when, um, when you guys started coming around and, and filling empty spots. So gave me the idea that, uh, you know, having a side gig, being in the fire service, a lot of guys do it. And it was, um, it was something that I was already interested in. So it was a good fit. Um, I remember I would, uh, been on the job maybe six, eight months when I finally, um, finally reached out to you and we went for coffee and we talked about things and the rest is history. Actually, it's not history. The first job that I ever did for you guys was back at the mill. <laughs> Just walk right back in the door. I, I did. Yeah. One of the guys was like, Hey, what are you doing? That's awesome. Hey, we need a guy today. He said, no, you don't. I, I'm your guy. <laughs> what? We've had that a few spots. I know a couple of the other places we've worked where guys have come from there or gone to there and it's yeah, been ancestral. So um, today we're talking about Grimp North America. So beautiful California sunshine for running a Grimp day. Um and I guess let's start with your team. Um, in 19 and 22, you had slightly different teams. But I think in 19, were you all newbies to the Grimp scenario? Or did you have anybody that had competed before? No, the 2019 group, uh, we were all brand new to the uh, Grimp uh, competition series. I think that was um, one of the key points um, for selecting the team. We are trying to branch out and get more people involved and, and invested in, in the grimp and uh, you know, the experience and all the teachable moments and learning experiences that happen at one. So I think that was the idea was, was to try and find people that hadn't been involved yet. Yeah. I do recall something like that. And so with the training of that group, like, where did you start? You know, it's easy to say I started at the beginning, but like, how did you decide as a team lead, you know, None of us have been here before. Where's the where's the start point for this training? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, <laughs> for us, um, where we ended up getting our team name was the situation that we were in. 
I had one guy from uh, Comox, which is the west coast of uh, Canada, and I had one guy from Halifax, which is the east coast from Canada. And I know you may have listeners from around the world. That's several thousand kilometers apart. And so well, I'm going to go with like 5,000. <laughs> yeah. And a few time zones to boot. Um, that was our first challenge was even just getting guys um, able to communicate uh, in a timely fashion. You know, when one guy's four hours ahead of you and it's seven o'clock at night Pacific time, but uh, he's, he's in bed, you've lost him for the night. So trying to get those conversations started and going, that was a first hurdle. Um, introducing ourselves, learning about each other. Uh, I'd only met a couple of the guys that were on my team, like three or four of the guys I'd never even met before and I had no idea who they were and what they knew and what their background was. So it was a huge um, upstart challenge to uh, to just learn about each member and and figure out what experience they had and you know what they were going to bring to the team. And um, there was definitely no idea who was going to do what and what roles or anything in the beginning. Like that took months to figure that out for me. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question about that, but just for the listeners around the world, Comox to Halifax is 5,976 kilometers to drive 3,713 miles. That, that's a fair distance. <laughs> yeah. So were, go ahead. Yeah, we were faced with um, not being able to get together on a Saturday to uh, do some training. Yeah. So did you start off with like Zoom calls or phone calls just to get everybody introduced and figure out what you were going to do? Or how did that how did that flush out of there? Yeah. So 2019 was pre-COVID and everybody's used to Zoom calls and meetings like we're doing this uh, podcast recording right now. Um, it's It's just the way we do business now. But in 2019... It wasn't at the forefront of my mind on, on a way to communicate. Uh, we set up a WhatsApp chat group and we had each other's email and obviously phone numbers, but the majority of our communications went through that chat group. So the majority of your communications went through the chat group there, you're saying? Yes. Okay. Um, and how many times did you get together? Like, did you train together as a team at all? We realized that we were not going to get any opportunities. Um, and the one thing that we were able to do was we all went to North Carolina and took a one week course in North Carolina. And it just so happened to be on a battleship. Um, throw out the plug to the AERT boys on that. Um, they've been running that program for over 20 years. It's uh, it's a really uh, great program. Um, was able to learn a lot of helpful information for myself at the time uh, and a very compressed schedule, which is what I was already um, on was a, an extremely compressed schedule. But by the time we formed the team, it was late August and we only had until March. Um, and for, from my point of view, um, I had a mountain to climb. There was so much to, to learn for personal skills, basic skills, um, equipment knowledge, the systems that are out there, what's working today, what's not working today, what's going to work for this group. You know, I was getting ideas thrown at me all the time. Well, well, if we're doing a ship to shore, we should do this because if the ship rolls, then it'll absorb the tension or, or if this or if that. And it was the deep unknown for us as a group being first timers and also the first time a competition being held on a battleship. 
there was just so much stuff to figure out or to try and hone in on. Um, you know, where do you start? You, you asked me that question and I just had to start with small bites. What can I do today that's going to help? Um, you know, I'm not going to solve all my world's problems today. So what can I do? And a lot of it was just getting to the shop. Um, myself and Jeff, who was our patient in 2019, he would come with me to the shop and we'd do like two, three, four hours at the most at the shop, just working on basic stuff, getting carabiners out of the bag and, and doing some rigging or, or um, grabbing an ID or grabbing a sparrow or whatever we could get our hands on and, and just working with the equipment because I knew of stuff, but I hadn't worked with it and I hadn't worked with it from a competition mindset or standpoint. And what I mean by that is you need to know that stuff inside and out. You, you got to know all the pitfalls and all the hangups that, that that device could possibly do to you. And not every device is everybody's favorite. So which ones are going to work for us as a team? Which ones did we have access to? Um, and, and just figuring out the, the pros and cons um, and systematically going through all the equipment that way. Some guys loved a, a rig over an ID. Well, I didn't have a problem with it. If that's what you've got and that's what you want to use, great. But if everyone on the team needs it, then I needed to figure out early on, can we get enough rigs for everybody? Um, the clutch was coming out at that time. We sort of, we'd heard of it, maybe seen it, but um, it was prototype stage. So that wasn't a thing in 2019. But and that, that's just an example of, of all the stuff that we had to kind of sift through and, and figure out as a group. And especially with a limited amount of experience at the time, it was, uh, it was a big learning curve. Now, you were talking about going into the shop and working with Jeff, one of the other guys on the team there. Was that happening around the country? Like, were you chatting with the teammates going, hey, I want you guys to practice this today or this this week or anything like that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, guys were, you know, getting into their own uh, lab, if you will, or backyard um, workplace. Uh, one guy was in Halifax. He had a great fire hall to work with. He was sending us videos of things that he was um, training on and trying out. So then we discussed that as a group, work out the pros and cons, see if it was something that we wanted to put on the list and if it was, then great. Then we'd all kind of go off and, and try it and see, you know, if we liked it or our role in that system or, or technique uh, and just work through them one thing at a time that way. So, yeah, the, the guys would kind of break out on their own and, and do their own um, personal development and then kind of report back to the group. Okay. And you said, when did, was it September you found out that you were accepted or what was the date that you found out you were accepted? For 2019, yeah. uh, I think it was in September, yeah. And so January, just for the timeline for the folks out there, was the battleship course. And all the team members went down to the battleship course. And you managed to spend five days together working together there. Yeah. And so how was that? Did you Was there any aha moments where it's like, we need to shuffle some people around here for different positions? Or was it pretty much, okay, this is what we expected? No, there was a, um, an aha moment or two, um, which was good. That, like, I'm so thankful we we got that um, that week together because um, <sighs> it was long days on that course. I don't want to give away any of the secrets, but um, th there's a lot of information being thrown at you. So, being a, 
a participant in the course and at the same time being a, a team lead and trying to sort out my own problems. Uh, when we did get some time together as the five of us to tackle a few scenarios and that's where, you know, some things happened, some, some personal energy came out, um, some ideas came out and I realized that if I were to switch roles here and, and maybe here, um, might be better for the team. Um, so yeah, the aha moment is just finally seeing to finally seeing guys in action and, and trying to build the team towards everyone's strengths. I think that's important as a takeaway here as part of the podcast is just because you have a plan doesn't mean you go need to go to the grave with it. I mean, as the situation dictates and the terrain dictates and the personnel dictate, you know, things sometimes have to change, I guess, is what you're saying. Absolutely. Um, being adaptable is important. Um, I tried to be humble as, as a first time leader, especially I, I didn't know everything. Frick. A lot of the guys on the team knew far more than me, but it, it was determined that I was the team lead. And uh, I had to, tip the cap off and, and just listen a lot of the time uh, or just sift through all the ideas because the good idea fairy would come often <laughs> and um, try to figure out what was going to work best for us as a group, just knowing and learning each other's strengths and, and personal preference and trying to avoid the pitfalls, if you will. But that that's the part of the process. If you, if you don't make some mistakes, um, you're probably not trying hard enough. Radio. And so with the 2019 edition, people coming from all over the country, how did the logistics work for getting uh, personnel and equipment to California? That was that was a fun experience. Um, we decided that the easiest way to get our team gear there uh, was to drive. Um, with myself, Jeff, uh, Stefan and one other Rona member. So the four of us in two vehicles, um, packed up all the gear and drove to California. It's a little over a 20 hour drive. So we broke it up into two days. Um, and then everybody else from across the country was able to either ship us their heavy gear ahead of time and we would take it for them, or they would just manage it on their own travels. If I remember correctly, you went down a couple of days early to do some training. Is that right? Yeah, uh, we did. We managed to find a location through some contacts uh, out there in the big, great rescue world and uh, got us uh, two days uh, on a similar ship uh, in, in the Los Angeles area. And uh, that was uh, key for us because uh, it was only the second time that we'd been together as a group. It was right before the competition. We had minds spinning a million miles a minute with lots of ideas. And it was that final time frame to work together, try to solve some problems, uh, figure out some skills and techniques that we wanted to, to use in the competition based on what limited knowledge we had at that point. You would not believe the grief I got from the social media pictures that went out over that. So yeah. they thought somehow I managed to get you guys aboard the. Uh, the, the uh, battleship that was the event was actually on and that you were running scenarios on it. <laughs> yeah, I know. And what do you do? I mean, we were resourceful. Um, I spent a lot of time trying to lock that, that training facility down. Um, we were able to lock it down again for 2022 to jump ahead. 
And I think it caused the same amount of grief for Wayne at CMC because I remember him coming up to me and thanking me for causing him all the headaches that came from it. So, yeah. <laughs> what can you do? Did you make any final changes to roster positions or techniques with that last couple of days of training? Yeah, we did. Um, communications as a group. I'll give you one example. We, we were running um, Highline on that ship. And uh, I said, uh, take up Slack. What did it? Yeah, I said, take up Slack. And uh, it's windy. I probably turned when I said it because I was in a hurry. And all of a sudden, the rope was not going in the correct direction that I wanted. It was getting slack. And I turned around and, was, of course, I was mad at the moment because, you know, we're under a lot of stress. We're trying to pack in the training. We're trying to function as a group and they're doing the wrong thing. And the two team members that were behind me said, we both heard slack. Uh, so, okay, yep, fair enough. We're not going to take up slack. Slack is slack and tension is tension. So teachable, learnable moment right there was watch what you're saying. Because, um, you know, under stress, certain things sound a certain way and, and can cause the, the system to go in the wrong direction. I am certainly not a fan of using the words take up slack or the words. And I, you're right. When you get a new group of people together, one of the biggest things we find it in some of the advanced courses we run where students have to work together. You almost need that first day feel out so that everybody's kind of on the same page because there's just those slight nuances and that sounds like what you were dealing with there. Yeah, for sure. And, and it was myself too. Like I, I fully admit I had a lot to, to learn, um, you know, both as a rescuer and, and a team leader. And that was just one of those moments where that, that inexperience came out, you know, the, the words were in my head. I knew what I wanted to say. It came out, they heard what they heard and the result was the re result. It was, uh, you know, slack in the system when I wanted the opposite. So Right on. I want to bump ahead a little bit to 2022 now. Obviously, there was a year gap there because that competition kind of spanned the COVID years, although 11 of us got COVID in 2022. But that's another story. Yeah. Um, so 2022, the team changed a bit. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to get the, the same group back together. We, we talked about it when we heard that the competition was coming. Everybody was in. And then when we got down to like August and September, it was, I want to, but I can't. Okay. I get it. I mean, we've, we've moved ahead three years in, in careers and families and everything else and, and COVID too. So uh, yeah, unfortunately we, we didn't get a chance at, uh, at redemption with, with the same group, but um, we brought a couple new people in um, and even their roles changed in, in that six months. There was, there was a lot, about two or three different shuffles that, that ended up happening in that six months for various reasons. Um, right up to the day before I left, uh, I got a text message. I was at the shop packing gear mind moving at a million miles a minute with uh, inventorying everything, pulling it from, you know, um, the racks and getting it in the truck and making sure it was itemized for customs and so on and so forth. And our controller um, came down with COVID and couldn't leave the country. So I did what any good manager would do. I called my boss and delegated the problem to him, which was <laughs> you, Mark. <laughs> 
And and we got you a controller, didn't we? <laughs> yes, yes. Through the vast network, um, somebody was arranged within hours, and uh, he wasn't able to be there for our training ahead of time, but he made it in time for the start of the competition. And yeah, it was. It is uh, lucky when you have both competing staff and uh, support staff and event staff at an event as a company, because it definitely means you can move some pieces around. Yeah. Uh, I will say it, it was uh, unfortunate for the member that couldn't leave due to COVID. I know he was really wanting to be there and be a part of it, but uh, it, it was also fortunate that uh, it was a controller position and not uh, one of my rescuers or riggers because the all the work that we'd put into that point, there's there's no way we would have sorted it out in two days. Yeah, that would have been a little tight and a little tough, wouldn't have it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. so 2022 you didn't go to the battleship but you did say that you went down beforehand and did some training again um what takeaways from 2019 did you take into 2022 to simplify or streamline the training or did you just do the same thing over or what was the story there no there were there were some takeaways uh time management was one of them uh, again just not having that experience the first time and just <laughs> You know, I had a long list, but it, it, it's kind of like, well, what can we do right now? How do we get this momentum going? Where do we start? You know, we, we need to work on so many things. Which one do you pick? Uh, that was 2019. 2022, it was it was a different story. We, we were able to get a few nights together, uh, four out of the five of us, which was amazing. Um, we didn't have that the first time. Uh, and when I changed the venue, it wasn't just the Ronan office. We did a night or two there. And then we did uh, a few nights at, at my fire hall and we were able to get some high lines and, and difficult edge transition work in. So at least we had a foundation to work from when we got to the ship this time, it was just one member that hadn't been with us. And um, our controller who has uh, a vast experience in, in teaching and, and training at high levels, he built us a training plan. So it was kind of detrimental that he wasn't there, but he gave the training plan to another member so that the rest of us didn't know. And then that one member kind of gave us scenarios um, with you know no information at a time. We would just stage at one point on the ship. He'd move to an area, check it out, set it up, make sure it was gonna work. He'd come back, he'd report to me, give me the scenario. I'd write it all down. I'd brief the crew, we'd move in and tackle the problem. So. I really liked that. We tried to do that the first time, but it was more me giving myself the problem, which doesn't really work. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the second time, 2022, it was, it was um, better that way. We'd focused on a few things based on conversations I had with him. So he had a few scenarios in mind. You know, we always wanted to tackle high lines. Um, there's a reason I'll explain in a bit why. Um, <laughs> high lines and just um, as a group, with some experience this time, we knew that we needed to just have simple team plans. If we're raising, we want this. If we're lowering, we want this. If it's a high line, we're going to do this. And, and just based on that, work it out and see what the problem is and adapt your system to fit the problem. And that was our approach. So you mentioned, though, that you had some more experience this time. I mean, the first time you went in, the entire team had not competed at any sort of rescue competition this team here in 2022, what was the difference there then? How many people had competed? Everyone. 
uh, and some guys had competed multiple times. Myself, it was just my second, but uh, Tim had competed with me in 2019, and then he also did a Belgium about six months before, and he did a Taiwan, I want to say, yeah. something in the middle there. So he had a couple different competitions under his belt. Uh, Jeff did Belgium right like six months before with Tim, yeah. and he was our patient in 2019. So it was a big jump for him, but at least he had one other competition. Um, Jay, um, I you tell me how many competitions he he's got. Jay, Jay's close to me. I mean, he's he's Spain, China, Japan you know taiwan no he hasn't been to taiwan europe yeah he's had a few under his belt yeah yeah uh and cole was the same as me just uh, a previous grimp na so right. there was there was some experience to work from this time and do you think that that helped or hindered having like people come in sometimes there's training scars in there from stuff they want to do or they have preformed opinions on the better way to do things working with other teams and other locations, or did you find that that experience helped because, you know, they came with that much more knowledge of the systems? Yeah, it helped tremendously. I'll give you an example. Uh, the first time um, I was getting ready for 2019, I kept a log and I was around 200 hours of hands-on time. And that's with uh, that North Carolina course, as well as time at the office. Um, I was at least that much, 200 hours in organizing the team, comms with the team, planning, training, and all the admin. You fast forward to 2022, I didn't bother keeping a log, but I guess it was about 40, 50 hours of hands-on time. Um, and the admin, it, it, admin time was up there again, but um, far less requirement for hands-on training for me. Um, we made the best use of it by being able to get together those four different nights with four out of five of us there. And our focus was not on all the minutia, but on we're doing this, this is how we want to do it. Now let's go do it. Not, well, what about, well, how about, well, what if we, there was a lot less of that this time, just having that experience about the environment of the ship, the types of challenges that you're likely to face, and then, just focusing on building plans that are going to be the most adaptable for those types of situations. Um, so it, it was a tremendous um, learning from 2019 to 2022 and being able to get rid of all of that equipment time spent sorting it out and what do we use and why and what about this system? What about that system? We went with simple plans. Like if, if we're going to be raising, we're going to use a drop loop. If we're going to be lowering, we're going to use twin tension. And if we're going to do a high line, it's going to be a single single line English reeve with the uh, ASAP um, redundancy in place. And, and that was kind of our go-tos. Um, we felt that they were going to be the most adaptable in those situations. And then we just put it to work. And it's funny, you mentioned that. And <clears throat> as I've interviewed, other team leads or talk to other people in competitions and real world events. So much of this comes down to like standard operating procedures or standard operating guidelines or TTMPs, whatever you want to call it from your background, <clears throat> excuse me, but just going out and going, if we're going to raise, we're raising with five, the ones on TTRS. So we're going to lower and just setting that stage. So that doesn't even need to be briefed. When you say raise, everybody goes, Hey, this is what we're doing. So really you're only outlining the scenario 
and the general overview, the actual, like you say, the minutia is, is SOG or SOP or whatever you want to call it. Does that kind of sum that up? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and that is that came from experience um, and just learning what worked well and what didn't work well the first time and getting everybody on the same page, um, you know, rather than having, you know, 17 different system ideas floating around in your head uh, and then hearing a problem and, and trying to pick one of the 17, it was, it was far easier for me to manage as a team leader. And it was way easier for the guys. They just had to listen to what the, the do's and don'ts were of the problem and make sure that when we headed out, we, we didn't break one of those rules or requirements and, and go to work. The, the plans were there. Um, and yeah, it, it made it um, a manageable experience as opposed to that, holy crap, how am I ever going to pull this off kind of a feeling. Right on. Um, so in regards to the two events, I mean, you had 2019, you had 2020. Were there certain scenarios you felt that, hey, we nailed this, we trained for this, worked out great? And was there certain scenarios that maybe we could have learned something from? Yeah, um, I'm going to give you a bit of history. <laughs> from the 2019 competition, our first scenario was the stacks, which uh, required a, a high line. It was our first uh, scenario as a team in the competition, and it happened on the Friday where they just did the one scenario. Um, everybody was pretty jacked up. And um, we left the staging area, um, thought we did the buddy checks, but two ropes got left behind. Um, our system that we were going to build then was uh, twin track, um, control from either side, and twin English reef, because we hadn't learned about the drop loop with the uh, redundant ASAPs at that point. That came out of that competition. Um, we got up there and realized that we'd forgotten two ropes and you don't get to go back. So there was our first hurdle uh, as a team. Um, looking at the scenario, the information as I got it, uh, one of the things that, that popped into my head, and, and this is like one of those interesting moments in life, when I heard uh, the uh, information come out, it says you must land your patient in this blue box. Well, one of the things we did in training for fun in the two days before was try and control where our rescuer and patient landed. And we put like a, a one by four board on top of this hold uh, on the ship and with the ropes controlled exactly. And we landed the rescuer's feet right on that board. Man, did we high five and think we were doing great. <laughs> but the problem was when I heard land patient in blue box, I'm looking at the far side, I'm on the near side, and I'm thinking, how am I going to get these ropes in line to land that patient? And I came up with the idea that we needed to go around the outside of this massive steel column. And that just created a snowball effect because we ran the ropes in that path, but it created so many hurdles. Um, rigging points behind where we chose to rig, it gave us about a four foot span for tensioning or operating lines and my plan was to run far side um, on the pedestal and when they got over there they said no, no no we can't do it over here so then we had to switch back so there was switching back and forth and far side near side issues um, we had ropes doubled up that were blue i had four blue ropes in my face and 
the other team member, Tim, that was beside me, I couldn't see the far side because of the steel column. He said, tension the blue rope. I just started laughing. And he turned around. And he's like, why are you laughing? And I said, which one, man? And he looked, he's like, oh, shit. Okay. And he, with his long arms, started wiggling the rope. And we were able to sort it out. We ended up getting a system built, but we ran out of time. So that was our first experience at grip a zero score and a, and it did not complete. And then you, you move forward to 2022. I, I can't tell you uh, how many sleepless nights or, or moments I spent um, anguishing over that, uh, that first scenario. Um, I thought about it a tremendous amount and we got back to the competition. We definitely prepared for high lines. We definitely talked about, that scenario as a group a lot probably too much for the, the other guys liking but i wanted to make sure that there was there was no hang-ups um you know we're not the first team to uh not finish a high line but i definitely didn't want to be a two-time team that didn't finish the high line so we get there in 2022 and we get uh sent off for our first scenario and um much to my uh pleasure it was the stacks um I, that wasn't I, planned but go on <laughs> no i know they told me that it was it was actually a fluke but uh it, it it's just the way it happened and um i was so happy that it was going down that way because three years of thinking about that i just wanted to get it off my mind and and get it done hopefully at that point so we uh we set off and headed back up there we remembered all of our ropes that was good and got a good briefing um, didn't plan to run lines so that I would land a patient in the box, knowing that difference, um, didn't rig the same way, uh, totally changed that up, expanded the system, gave ourselves lots of room to work because that's one of the issues with that, um, scenario and the, uh, geography up there. Um, it, it went really well. You know, there was a, a couple of moments where we maybe could have been faster, but that's high lines for you. You know, hangups happen and spending the extra time to run the path around this and over that. And it, yeah, it, it is the way that it, it worked. Um, and we got it done. And I hope, uh, I hope the boys from TNT are listening because it was one of those times that we finished ahead of them and got to do our cheer. And I, I know that that kind of got under their skin a little bit and yeah that, it was all in good fun it, it wasn't a, um, anything other than that but um for us uh what a great way to start that competition um new ish group guys in different roles uh lots had happened like i said two days before losing a member like that to covid um but by getting that one out of the way I felt that both mentally and physically overcoming uh, what happened in 2019 was um huge for us well even getting the rest of 2019 done i mean when you go into your first scenario you know there's there's internal pressures that you put on yourself there's external pressures because you have other not just your teammates but you have workmates sitting there looking over some of those scenarios so for you in 2019 for your team to make it back and and complete the next scenarios and make it through is, is a good kudos because i'm sure you were feeling it when you walked away from it in 2019. Well, yeah, I mean, 2019, I had my family there uh, and it was one of the two scenarios that they got to watch above decks and it, yeah, dad didn't do so well. So <laughs> kind of sucked, but uh, they weren't able to be there in 2022. Um, 
but they've heard all about it many times. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So what were your biggest differences between 19 and 22? I mean, and it could be anything like from the event itself to the way you train for it or the people, but what were you, did you find your biggest differences? Oh yeah. So experience and people, uh, all of us, you know, myself included just lack of, of, um, experience at the time would, would be the biggest, um, taking away from that, going back a second time, the, I don't want to say comfort level, but the knowledge of the ship, the knowledge of the event, the first time, you know, looking back, I, I felt like all I really was focused on was the team uh, performing, figuring out my own, you know, personal shit, if you will. Um, and, and I don't feel like I really got to enjoy the event as much as I should have. You know, the social time and uh, the meet and greet and, and all the little things that go on. I, I felt like I kind of pulled away and and was just trying to sort out things um, so that we performed well. And then going back in 2022, I think I enjoyed the event a lot more. Um, having that experience to, to work from, I, I, I wasn't so bogged down mentally and personally. Uh, I felt like I engaged with a lot more of the teams and people and met more people and enjoyed the social aspect of it, took in the sights, if you will. So that, that was big. Um, what else did you ask me there? Well, I think that sums it up. I mean, I'll, I'll try to round it out a little bit with this one. If you're talking to a new team that's going into this based on your 19 and your 22 experience, what's one or two things that you would tell the team and the team leader moving forward? Uh, yeah. Um, it's a good question, but it's, it's a difficult question because everybody brings, um, different experience and knowledge to the table. I mean, if, if, if you're a, a member that's, that's been doing this for 20 odd years, you, you kind of know what works for you and doesn't. And if you're in your first five years and just gung ho, then my advice would be uh, come up with some simple plans. Don't overthink things, have systems that are going to work and be the most adaptable based on your skill set and your available equipment. Um, if you go in there with the latest, greatest ideas all the time or too many systems to work from, you end up spinning your wheels and causing yourself more problems. So uh, my advice is, is simplify and, and have kind of focused systems that will be adaptable based on your skill set and your equipment. Yeah, I mean, I think you hear we hear that a lot is keep it simple. You know, when it comes down to it, the simple plans seem to be the ones you've said it in here. and We've heard it before seem to be the ones that make sense. Yeah. I mean, keep in mind that this is a competition and there is time and there's points to be won or lost and communication gets in there. And if, if you're overdoing it, it just creates more opportunity for more problems to happen and too many things to train and, and too many different techniques to polish up on. So there, there is benefits to, to having a simplistic approach to it. And a lot of the good teams do it. And that's probably why they end up being the good teams is because they don't end up making all those mistakes or spinning in wheels or getting caught with miscommunications. And I, I do find that, uh, if you look at peak with Micah and, uh, Nick with intervention, 
they're they're simple plans well executed i mean yeah the way yeah looking back at a lot of the the cmc pictures they were all doing similar things to what we did i mean there's little tweaks to it um you know some of their patients uh, i'm gonna throw tnt under the bus for this one their their patient was a small lightweight patient uh in comparison to scott our professional patient at ronan um <laughs> You know, and listening to the podcast that CMC did and, you know, uh, peak throwing a one-to-one and, and hauling their patient out, like, wow, good for them. Uh, that's amazing. If, if we could have done that, I'm sure we, we would have. But we ended up doing drop loop. So there's a two-to-one. And our rig team insisted on using five. So we're hauling with 10-to-one. And I don't remember them ever saying, wow, this is too easy. I think I'm going to drop it down. <laughs> Poor Scott. Scott's not that big. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, but well, I get it. I get he's it. He's 200 plus and he's, he's a tall, not narrow body that you're pulling through on a, a World War II engineered ship. Uh, uh, yeah. No, that's good. Um, so anything else you want to add or throw into this from, uh, from your notes or from your experiences or thoughts that we've triggered? Yeah, yeah, I got uh, I got a few things. Sure, let's go. Um, yeah, so we got the stacks out of the way. Um, in 2019, looking back, the bow scenario it was called. Yeah, that, that was uh, that was uh, uh, probably our. Well, no, there was another one. Anyway, it it was a big challenge. Um, lack of knowledge again. The, we set up a twin tension system, got our rescuer in on their own lines, grabbed our patient. And again, lack of experience, we put a rescuer with the patient on the load. And I had two guys hauling. They built a huge throw going all the way up the bow. And they decided that they were going to do three to ones. Now you got a two person load deviating through three decks of that ship. And when we said go, those two guys were in a tug of war of their life and they barely moved. And then we had to re-rig to five to one. And I think we did a, a simplex five just, you know, to save the rigging time. Um, and so we threw that on the lines and, and got moving. But even then, those two haulers were working way harder than they probably should have been. And takeaway from that was get rid of that rescuer. They have their own two lines. You're skilled. Climb your own ropes. Move the patient. Assist with patient movement. But stay away from the two-person loads, especially in ships. Um, and, and it, it, it hurt us in the end because those two guys were exhausted near the end. I, I, I had to start de-rigging for one of them because his hands, he couldn't physically open the carabiners anymore. He couldn't get the gate to pull down and twist as his forearms were so burnt. So huge takeaway there. Uh, we ended up finishing that scenario with a few minutes to spare. Uh, and it was a big rush, you know, having failed one scenario and, other teams at that competition weren't finishing the bow and we knew that and it was in our heads and it was just like a huge moment uh, to get to that shore and throw the gear in that box for us uh, as a, a young and I'll say inexperienced just for the sake of saying it at the time group. It, it was a big moral victory for us. Um, my family did get to see that and that was pretty cool. That's the famous uh, rope ghillie suit picture, isn't it? 
That's right. That was uh, uh, a team member from Team Vegas. And uh, yeah, they stacked him with one or two or three. I don't know how many ropes they had on him. But yeah, he looked like he was in a rope ghillie suit. That, that was a famous picture for us, too. We love that. Um, we competed with those guys uh, every scenario. And we we knew Don, uh, their team lead, ahead of time. He was at the North Carolina course with us. So we had a bit of a friendship and relationship there. And um, it was a really good experience competing with them. You know, we weren't against them. We were with them. Uh, if we finished ahead, we, we, we ran over and met them at the finish line and cheered them on and hugged it out with them because they were just as ecstatic as we were to finish that scenario. And that was one of the really, really cool moments of that competition was um, the, the relationships and friendships and moments that you shared, you know, slugging through uh, those scenarios together. You know, nobody else gets it, but you do. Um, and and that, that's what's so cool about the competition. So, yeah, that was uh, that was a, a cool uh, memory for us. Um, 2019 competition also the wing void or as they called it in 2022 you will not like this um that was a tough one we thought we were built for that having that north carolina course under our belt um and it turned out we made some some rigging choices that cost us uh time um and energy and we finished with less than a minute so it doesn't get any closer than that um and that was uh that was a scary but enjoyable moment (laughs) <laughs> looking back um that is a great scenario that wing void but go on <laughs> yeah it, it was i mean it, it was super challenging and um you know videos came out so a lot of the teams in 2022 were were prepared for it or at least aware of it and um you know that kudos to them for doing their homework but uh we were the guinea pigs or group of guinea pigs and uh it it was tough. Um, a lot of, or several teams didn't finish it. So it gives you an idea right there. Um, just looking ahead here. Uh, 2022. Just as we were finishing each scenario um, and realizing, you know, they were going fairly well. As we got closer to the end, I found it became a challenge as the team lead to kind of rein in the group. And I don't mean this negatively. I mean it positively. Like they were very energized and jacked about how we were doing. I mean, this is a competition and we were trying to do our best. Um, So it was a challenge to, to get the team back to just focusing on our job and the next scenario and not two scenarios ahead, but the scenario that we were working on and not to overlook or look past things. Um, and, and just keep that focus of, um, you know, one task at a time, one problem at a time. And, and let's not just think, you know, start patting ourselves on the back before we're done here. Um, that, that was interesting because Personally, I was getting wrapped up in the moment too, and I, I wanted to celebrate, but I realized it, uh, it's kind of my job to, to keep us focused and in line. I mean, as the team lead, that's, that's what goes with the responsibility. So it was, it's interesting looking back that just that I realized what was going on and, and um, you know, kind of hold the guys in for, for quick little chats here and there just to regain some focus and, and stop celebrating ahead of time, if you will. Um, and that, like you say, that's a different 
challenge as a team lead than what you would have had in 2019. Yeah. I mean, 2019, I had zero competition experience. And like I said, it was, it was overwhelming at times um, trying to handle all of it and, and deal with it in real time and just put a good performance together, if you will. Whereas this time, you know, some of the takeaways from 2019 were the competition itself, you know, managing time, managing skills, managing people, managing your emotions, if you will, um, and focusing on what I called it like preserving points. You know, every team starts with a hundred on the score sheet and it's up to you to keep as many of them as you can by, by checking the boxes and doing the right things. So um, I know I had a different mindset in that regard and, and approached it that way by uh, like trying to preserve points. Like sometimes I was on the radio asking guys to do a, a safety check or cross check before they'd move and they're looking at me. They're like, what are you doing? Well, like, you're slowing us down afterwards. And, and I explained, I'd rather make that radio call and have every single judge or official hear us make that communication rather than assume that because you and I made eye contact that that safety check was done and then we end up losing points, even though we, you know, did the safety checks, so to speak. I was trying to paint that picture for the guys and it did frustrate them because, you know, when you're you're trying to haul ass and, and get the patient moving because you're on the clock and then the team needs like, no, 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 I need I need 10 more seconds of your time. It, it, can, it can get to them. But, uh, yeah, as one of the teachable moments was try to preserve those points. They're there for the taking. So earn them. Right on. Yeah. Anything else in your notes about it? Yeah, the banquet. It's uh, it was a huge moment. Uh, in my life and I'm, I know everybody else's um, it turned out to be a time I'll, I'll never forget that um, finishing third wasn't the reason that we went there but uh, it, it's had a lasting impression for me for sure just pause there for a sec uh, I got more <clears throat> I just want to go on that for a sec because you had mentioned to me before we were on the podcast today that, you know, even somebody on your fire department wrote up a, a bit of a synopsis and we're going to try to get that um, for an internal uh, publication in the fire service in your department in your city about what you took away and learned from Grimp North America or those experiences, you and Jeff, you're from the same department. And it's interesting because I, I think people miss that, that, there are some certain leadership techniques and obviously the rescue techniques and just the working with other people techniques that are directly applicable back to your fire departments or your SAR teams or your police departments or whatever emergency service you happen to come from. Yeah. Um, that, that was a uh, kind of a, a cool thing. Um, when we got back from the competition, one of our ops chiefs actually wrote a department wide memo um, you know, explaining a little bit about where Jeff and I were and, and what we accomplished. And just that recognition was different from 2019. There, there was nothing in 2019. Um, and, and this time it, it was recognized and, you know, a lot of people were approaching us and starting to ask questions. So it was, it was really interesting in, in that regard. And then uh, I'm an instructor in the department as well. And, you know, teaching the basic things that, that we end up teaching, you know, um, refresher training or new skills, if you will, um, a little bit more respect 
I would say, you know, people don't look at you as a, oh, oh, the guy that just does ropes on his days off. People look at you like, oh, okay. Guys had some success at doing ropes on his days off. I think I will listen to him. Um, so that was really interesting. And so our HR department um, asked this fellow, he's formerly a professional writer. They've asked him several times to, you know, pick a person or they've suggested the person within the department to uh, to do a story about. And um, I remember one night I was at the hall and, and I was uh, climbing rope. He had no idea what I was doing. And he stayed after his shift and watched and asked me a bunch of questions about it. And I think that put it in his mind. And um, when the opportunity came to write a story this year, he chose to write the story about Jeff and I. Um, he's, you know, got a limited number of words, but um, I just got the story uh, two days ago and uh, it's a great read. And it's it's just cool that um, other people are taking interest in the work that we do and and the skills and knowledge that we bring back to the department. Um, you know, I've, I've been able to make several changes uh, to our equipment, uh, the way that we carry the equipment, some of the techniques that we're doing. We've simplified things. You know, we're at, uh, we were a um, tandem Prusik uh, belay safety line department. Um, and just recognizing that in this day and age, the human error that comes into that skill alone with the skill set that we really have, um, we could switch over to an ASAP and and simplify things and make our safety line safer. And they listened and we made that transition. We bought the equipment. Um, I happened to be on light duties this year for six weeks. And that was one of the projects that I um, accomplished was to go around and teach every member in the fire department how to set up and run a, a safety belay, uh, sorry, safety belay using an ASAP. Right on. I mean, and that's that's cool because I mean you're getting some direct positive feedback out of that particular skill set. Then, yeah, you know what? It made me feel good. I, light duties isn't fun, but not when you're an active person and uh, you know that firefighter mentality. But uh, it, it made it worthwhile. Uh, it validated uh, the hours, the work, the effort that you put in to share that knowledge and and open some eyes and, and make your department a better place. I mean, that's why we go to these competitions. That's why we bother doing this stuff is to make positive change and, and have an impact on, on people's lives. And, you know, seeing it come to fruition is, is the benefit. No, that is cool. And I mean, that's what you want out of these types of things. Um, you know, you, you want to have, it's not just about the competition. It's about the friendship. It's about the learning. It's about bringing it back to, you know, your other departments and your other organizations and bring back that skill set and that knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just wanted to circle back to the, when I was talking about the banquet there and I had to pause, um, I just had a few more things to say. So hopefully you can edit that together. Um, I, I know well, there was, yeah, I know there were teams that are uh, amazing teams at that competition that have an enormous amount of skill and experience. Um, the Europe teams, uh, even the, some of the North American teams. Um, I know that several of them could have placed a lot higher than they did. And uh, it just makes me super happy and proud of uh, my team and, and how we did and what we accomplished, you know, under the circumstances in, in, that's, um, in that venue. 
Well, cool. I appreciate you coming on, Pete. And uh, yeah, it's uh, great to chat with you and hear this feedback and this types of conversations around the event. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it's it's been a pleasure. I've been around Ronan a long time. Listened to a lot of the podcasts. It's uh, kind of nice to get to share um, my stories and experiences, and hopefully there's some value in there for people. And yeah, that's what it's all about: is uh, learning and sharing. Right on. Thanks, Pete. Okay.